Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Breaking news tonight, all eyes on Iowa. Democrats caucusing tonight the first decision of the 2020 campaign. Bernie Sanders says he has the momentum. So our job together is to create the highest turnout in the history of the Iowa caucus. Joe Biden insists he'll go all the way. You've never had a greater responsibility than you have today. Warren, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar all still in it. Who will leave Iowa a winner and who will just go home? We're there live as Iowa decides. Dangerously unprepared, the warning tonight, the world may not be ready for a global pandemic. Americans in the hot zone now trying to get out. Plus, the CDC says there are more cases of the deadly coronavirus here in the U.S. Closing arguments, House managers prosecuting President Trump made their final plea. Is there one among you who will say enough? While the president's lawyers say case closed. The only appropriate result here is to acquit the president. Plus, the Democratic senator about to break with his party. Advanced Cancer, one of the country's leading conservative voices, Rush Limbaugh, talks about his diagnosis for the first time. London terror attack, the shocking new video, a man with a knife and what appears to be a bomb, slashing people on the streets of South London, why people are now calling it terror-related. And 50 years in the making, Kansas City celebrates its first Super Bowl victory in half a century, plus the halftime show that has everybody talking. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening and thank you so much for joining us as we come on the air tonight. It's democracy in action. Caucus goers are beginning to gather at nearly 1700 school gyms and community centers all over Iowa. And by the end of the night, we should know which candidate or candidates have scored the first points in the race for the Democratic presidential nomination. 41 delegates are up for grabs. Now that's just 1% of all pledged delegates that will be awarded during the Democratic primary process. But Iowa is all about seizing momentum for the next contest. And the top seven candidates competing tonight have spent a combined 400 days campaigning in the Hawkeye state. Our CBS News battleground tracker has Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders neck and neck, but with very different bases of support. Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren are also still in the hunt. Our team is covering every angle of the caucuses tonight, but we're going to begin with Ed O'Keefe at Sanders headquarters in Des Moines. Ed? Nora, good evening. Candidates have held more than 2,200 events combined in this state over the past year, and a record crowd is expected as Iowa puts the first points on the board of campaign 2020. The candidate to watch closest tonight is Bernie Sanders. Moments after the impeachment trial wrapped for the day in Washington, on my way to Iowa. Bernie Sanders raced back to Iowa for what he hopes is a victory party. Over the weekend, Sanders projected confidence. Tomorrow night is the beginning. Yes. It is the beginning of the end for Donald Trump. So you're going to have turf three that I'm assigning you. And he has relied on thousands of volunteers who knocked on 500,000 doors last month alone. That is just an extraordinary accomplishment. If Sanders wins, he'll do it by turning out younger and first-time caucus goers and Latinos, who made up just 4% of the caucus vote in 2016. But with the race so tight, Sanders is hoping to increase that number, which is why the first piece of mail his team sent Iowa voters was in English and Spanish. Moderates worried about a Sanders win are blanketing the airwaves, warning he could lose to President Trump. I do have some concerns about Bernie Sanders' health, considering the fact that he did have a heart attack. Voting begins tonight when Iowans meet at nearly 1,700 caucus sites in 99 counties. They'll sort themselves by candidate, and each must earn at least 15% to be what's called viable. If a candidate falls short, other campaigns can scramble to earn their supporters' votes. I'm Nicole Killian with the Biden campaign. The former vice president upbeat as he surprised staff with pizza. Cautiously optimistic he'll deliver tonight, even if he doesn't finish first. We're going to survive all the way through this whole thing. Still, a third or fourth place result here would be considered a major setback. He's arguing experience and electability matter. The next Democratic president of the United States has to be prepared to command the world stage lead our armed forces. One area of concern tonight is Biden's get-out-the-vote operation, which lags behind the other top contenders. The campaign is counting on turnout in rural areas and among working-class voters in eastern Iowa. They're hoping to woo caucus-goers like Abbott LaPrade, who is deciding between Amy Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg, but not ruling out Biden as his second option. Why Biden? Um, you know, again, I think it just comes down to who can beat Donald Trump. The campaign believes tonight will be close, but if Biden doesn't land in the top tier, aides will argue that Iowa is only the beginning, not the end of the primary process. Nora? All right, Nicole, thank you. Let's bring in Major Garrett, our chief Washington correspondent, who's in Des Moines tonight. So, Major, is it possible that by the end of the night, multiple candidates will claim victory? 
It's possible, even though the Iowa Democratic Party says just one winner tonight, the candidate who claims the highest number of delegates. But that doesn't mean campaigns won't fight over the numbers, because there's three numbers to look at. Here's the first number, everyone's first choice once they arrive at the caucus site. The second number, when caucus goers realign, if their first choice didn't meet that minimum threshold of 15%, and then the third number, actual delegates allocated per candidate. Here's the scenario. Bernie Sanders' campaign thinks he's going to do really well on that first choice number and may point to that as a big victory, even though that realignment number or actually delegates awarded to candidates might prove to be much closer. And Major, I know you've been on the ground there since last week, and while I was not representative of the country, it does give an early sense of a campaign strength. So what have you learned? Energy is through the roof. Record turnout is expected. And here's one way to think about it. Seven different campaigns each have 100 or more staffers on the ground. In 20 years of covering the caucuses, I've never seen that kind of commitment to ground organizing. The other thing that strikes me, this is the nicest Iowa caucus I've ever seen. Democrats simply do not attack each other aggressively. Why? Because party unity is paramount. They want to bring the party together once a nominee is known. Nora? All right, Major, thank you. Much of Iowa is rural and filled with family farms, and about half are owned by women. These are difficult times for many of them. Janet Chamlian has more on their struggles and hopes. I'm going to go in and vote for um, Tom Steyer. Elizabeth Warren. I'm pretty much undecided. Amy Kobusar. These four I women all have a passion really for politics. I think all of them can beat Donald Trump. That, that. Ellen Walsh Roseman is a mother of two who thinks Elizabeth Warren can revitalize farm country. I want to make sure that people my, my age and peers are coming back and they have a reason to come back to rural America. Chris Henning has only decided she's not supporting Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders. My issues are their age, their health, and their stamina. They're too old. They're older than me, and, and I think I'm too old to run for office. If it saves some money. Like many of her rural neighbors, health care is an issue for Billy Wilson. In small towns, most people don't have anybody that pays their insurance. Even, you know, even the small businesses don't yeah. provide insurance. Exactly. So everybody is in the same boat. He's a young ram. LaVon Griffune is concerned about the economy. In 2012, we had soybeans that were $15, and now they're at $8. That's half. Caring for land and livestock requires lots of help. They say hiring immigrants is a critical issue for them. They work at the dairies, they do the roofing, yeah. they do a lot of the jobs. They're that... not stealing our jobs. No, no. no. they're not they're stealing not... their jobs. Janet Shamlian, CBS News, Ankeny, Iowa. And we will have updates for you on the caucuses during primetime programming tonight right here on CBS. Breaking tonight, health officials in China are reporting dozens more deaths from that new coronavirus. The death toll is now at least 426. The World Health Organization is warning the outbreak could soon be large enough to be classified as a pandemic. Eleven cases have been confirmed here in the U.S. Mololengi now on plans to bring hundreds more Americans home from China. Ten days. That's all it took to build this hospital to treat coronavirus patients in Wuhan, China. Video from Chinese state TV shows stocked supplies to treat the unprecedented health crisis. Everybody is getting really antsy about just getting out. American Priscilla Dickey and her daughter Hermione are stuck in Wuhan and desperate to come home. 
The U.S. State Department is organizing more charter flights out. CBS News has learned four military bases will be used to quarantine evacuees while they're monitored for symptoms. It's one thing to have this in um, the situation in your own home. It's a total other one where you're kind of isolated by yourself. Today, the CDC confirmed a second U.S. case was transmitted person to person, the spouse of a Wuhan traveler. There are 82 tests pending, including three in New York City. It seems that the virus spreads fairly easily when you're not isolating cases quickly. Dr. Mark Mulligan is head of infectious diseases at NYU Langone in New York City. He's concerned about the unknowns. A person without symptoms seems to have transmitted the virus. How often does that happen? Is there a risk of overreaction? This is a time for reaction and for awareness, you know, to make sure we know the very latest things happening. One of those three suspected New York City cases is being treated and evaluated in isolation here at Bellevue Hospital in Manhattan. And just this afternoon, we learned that about 100 Princeton University students who recently traveled to China are now being monitored. Their symptoms are being monitored, and some have even asked to self-quarantine, Nora. Well, that's significant, Mola. Thank you. Tonight, at least one Senate Democrat says he's still not sure how he'll vote at President Trump's impeachment trial. West Virginia's Joe Manchin does say the president should at least be censured by the Senate. Well, today, senators heard closing arguments in the case, and Nancy Cordes reports tonight from Capitol Hill. The Senate can still do the right thing. The House impeachment managers closed the trial with a warning about President Trump. What are the odds, if left in office, that he will continue trying to cheat? I will tell you, 100%. He is who he is. Truth matters little to him. What's right matters even less. If you find that the House has proved its case and still vote to acquit, your name will be tied to his with a cord of steel and for all of history. The impeachment trial took up 82 hours on the Senate floor. To the end, the president's legal team insisted he had done nothing wrong. The president did not condition security assistance or a meeting on anything. The only appropriate result here is to acquit the president and to leave it to the voters to choose their president. It would take a two-thirds vote to remove the president from office, and most, if not all, Republicans are poised to acquit. The enthusiasm with which the House managers have sought President Trump's removal is completely and inarguably divorced from reality in the heartland. Tonight, Republicans are urging this president not to gloat about his impending acquittal during his State of the Union address here on Capitol Hill tomorrow night. But privately, Nora, they acknowledge that it would be unlike him to stay silent. All right, Nancy, thank you. Today, Rush Limbaugh, one of America's leading conservative voices for the past several decades, shocked listeners with a message about his health. Mel Bohorkas on Limbaugh's announcement that I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. That's how the cigar-loving Rush Limbaugh broke the news to his listeners. There are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to be here because I'm undergoing treatment or I'm reacting to treatment. 
It's not the first time Limbaugh has shared his personal struggles. In 2003, he announced he was battling opioid addiction. Professionally, he is best known as a champion of conservative causes. We have a major immigration problem and controversial commentaries. In this commercial, he is exaggerating. In 2006, he alleged actor Michael J. Fox had exaggerated the effects of his Parkinson's disease in an ad for stem cell research. Limbaugh, who records his show in West Palm Beach and is a staunch supporter of President Trump, said he'd be gone the next few days as his doctors figure out his treatment. Manuel Bajorquez, CBS News, Miami. Tonight, we're getting a look at some dramatic video from a deadly terror attack in London. The suspect had just been released from prison after serving only half his sentence on terrorism charges. Elizabeth Palmer reports tonight from London. Cell phone video captures the immediate aftermath. The terrorist Sudesh Aman has been shot. Just yards away, one of his victims lies bleeding on the sidewalk. Undercover officers keep their weapons trained on Aman until backup arrives and then... Go to the back of the store! Fresh urgency when it looks like he may have an explosive vest. There was something strapped to his chest, a silver, kind of like a silver canister. But it turns out to be a hoax. Aman had been under surveillance. He'd done jail time for Islamist-related crimes and had been released just days ago. For Londoners, it's the second such attack in just over two months. Osman Khan stabbed two people to death in November before the police shot him on London Bridge. Khan, like a man, had just been paroled without anyone assessing either man for violent extremist potential. An outraged public now has Britain's government scrambling to change the law so that never happens again. Elizabeth Palmer, CBS News, London. Winter storm and blizzard warnings are posted tonight across much of the Rocky Mountains. Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana are all getting walloped. The storm is expected to push across the country this week, dumping snow, ice, and rain in the central U.S., the south, and the northeast. The city of Moore, Oklahoma, is heartbroken tonight after a terrible crash. One student was killed and three others are in critical condition after a pickup truck plowed into them outside the high school today. The driver is in custody and the cause of the crash is under investigation. There was a scare in the air today on board an Air Canada jet. The plane blew a tire as it took off from Madrid for Toronto and debris got into an engine shutting it down. While an F-18 was sent to check out the plane in mid-flight, the Boeing 767 turned around and circled Madrid for more than four hours, burning off fuel before landing safely. A new study finds the risk of heart disease grows as women go through menopause. Researchers at the University of Pittsburgh tracked more than 300 women and found their arteries began to stiffen a year before reaching menopause and that it accelerated in the first year of menopause. Researchers think this is largely due to inflammation caused by hormonal changes. We learned tonight that nearly 100 million people watched Super Bowl 54, and Adriana Diaz reports on the Kansas City Chiefs and their come-from-behind win. This was the moment the Chiefs clinched it, fulfilling a dream half a century in the making. They deserve it. 
you know, it's our turn. Yeah. Their turn, especially after last year's heartbreaking playoff loss. But last night, they overcame a shaky start, scoring three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Amid the euphoria, players made confetti angels and rushed coach Andy Reid, who'd never won a Super Bowl. He found a way to get it in the end. It was a fairy tale come true for the most valuable player, 24-year-old quarterback Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to Disney World. Who dreamt of this moment in a tweet at age 17. He wrote, I bet it feels amazing to be the quarterback who says, I'm going to Disney World after winning the Super Bowl. The game's unofficial MVPs were women. For the first time, two Latinas, Shakira and J-Lo, headlined the halftime show. Their elaborate moves and politically charged imagery of children in cages created a national conversation. In the stadium's sea of red was Kansas City, Missouri Mayor Quinton Lucas. We've always been kind of knocking at the door of greatness, but never been let in. And I think the team's story is a lot like our own story. Relentlessness, perseverance. Adriana Diaz, CBS News, Kansas City. It was a fun game to watch. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, one town was so fed up with politics as usual, it elected Mayor Max, loved by everyone and as loyal as they come. And if you can't watch live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. We'll be back later with updates on the Iowa caucuses. Until then, good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.